The DNVR Rockies podcast is brought to you by our friends at Solace Meds. you got to check them out for some of the best herb you've ever seen in your life. One of the best dispensaries I've ever been to. Solace Meds has four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. And if you head into their Wheat Ridge location, you can get a free Solace bar or King Cone when you mention the code DNVR20. That also gets you 20% off and that free Solace bar or King Cone right there at the Wheat Ridge location. They've got all kinds of fantastic deals for you, whether you need concentrates, tinctures, joint packs, gummies, cola, edibles, drinkables. They really have anything and everything. And again, you can get 20% off when you use promo code DNVR, whether you're heading into the shop or you're ordering online at solacemeds.com. That's S-O-L-A-C-E meds.com. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use the promo code DNVR25. You'll get 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And joining me for this one is the voice of the Colorado Rockies on ATT Sportsnet and the host. Of the Drew Goodman podcast, it's Drew Goodman. What's happening, Patrick? Or pa- I call you Patrick. How about that? Right you have the same that. name. How's it going, Drew? Oh, Patrick, oh, Drew I meant podcast. to say, is um, he's taking the day off. He's moving, huh? Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's one of those times where uh, I'm not sure day off is the right. It's like every time we we mention that when the like if Charlie Blackman's not in the starting lineup, and we say to Buddy, "Oh, Charlie's getting the day off," Buddy will say. No, no, no. <laughs> he never right. lets that one fly. Not once has he ever let that. He's, he's not in the starting lineup. We might need him tonight. Every do, you time. The, do you know what my favorite when a guy's getting a day off described by a manager? And it happened last year. And so now anytime the Rockies play the Dodgers, I reference this. And I guess they can afford to literally give a guy a full day off and stay away from them Almost no matter what. Yeah. And you may remember this last year, Mookie Betts was getting a day off. And uh, Dave Roberts referred to it as Mookie's getting a spa day. Spa day. Getting a spa day. Yeah. If only they actually got to go to the spa, right? Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, this this should be interesting. I wasn't thinking about talking about that today, but since that's a buddyism and you did have Clint Hurdle uh, on your show recently. Uh, maybe we should talk about some fun managerisms, some of the fun, unique characteristics of some of these guys who've managed the Rockies over the years. We know from Buddy things like that's baseball. And like I said, I love that he never lets the day off thing pass. That's such a ball player mentality. He knows, like, I got to show up, put on a uniform and be ready in case they call my name, man. What do you mean day off? I think I think all of us now who've been around the various Rockies managers can remember their you know, idiosyncratic lines, I suppose. Um, you know, Buddy, Buddy's got several. Buddy's, Buddy's a funny guy. And, you know, um, w- when a guy's injured, but he's getting, uh, you know, he's not far away from being activated, uh, Buddy, Buddy will say, hey, he's getting really close, closer than you think, you think. right? <laughs> Which means pretty much that he's going to be he's going to be activated like the next day. Yeah. Um, 
Clint had some great ones. We actually on the podcast, I don't know if it was this one or or the part two of it. Um, one of them I, I that I that I use frequently is, um, and Jamie Cork would use this one also. And I don't know if it originated with with Jamie or if it originated with Clint. Uh, but you know, invariably, he's meeting the media, Drew, and and talking, you know, about you know a young player like a Brendan Rodgers or or somebody, and and he would always say, "Hey, this isn't the try hard league. This is the do good league." Mm-hmm. And you know, trying hard should be, uh, you know, it should be automatic, right? Right. So that that's one of them. Clint had uh, Clint had you know so many. Oh man, let me. Let me think. There's another one I uh, roll out there um, frequently. Keep talking. I'll think. Have, you, of, have uh, I told you my Clint Hurdle story? Uh, since since we're talking about Clint Hurdle, I, I, there there are a couple of different variations on this, but I did actually cover the Pittsburgh Pirates f- as like a freelancer for a quick. Yeah, Brandon was uh, you know, awesome enough to let me do that. A newspaper. Right wanted to use me as a stringer. So I covered the pirates for a weekend uh, for the Pittsburgh Tribune, Pittsburgh review. Yeah. 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 Post Gazette. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It was great. So I was in their clubhouse. I was doing the thing. I was asking Clint Hurdle questions all weekend. Uh, You know, he was fantastic. Did the whole thing. And then I told him at the end of the story, and this is 100% true that uh, when I was thinking about whether or not I wanted to get into this, and whether or not I thought my voice had any place in the Rockies media landscape or just whatever landscape. And uh, I remembered thinking back to an interview that Clint Hurdle did, like that first press conference in 2007, uh, first big one, basically, when they, they clinched it and they're going to the NLDS to face the Phillies. And one of the first questions from some national reporter was, can you tell us more about some of these guys on your team. He basically was like, we don't know anything about these guys. And he was kind of trying to play it off as fun. I remember Hurl going, well, then shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you for not knowing more about our club. Yeah. I mean, if you think about that, Drew, and I'm glad, I'm glad Clint admonished whoever asked that as if it's up to Clint to educate them on his team because they don't reside in New York or Philadelphia or, you know, a, a market that you follow. I mean, that that is so lazy. Yeah. That is so irresponsible. And I get pissed at it because it gives us as, you know, baseball journalists. And I know I, I'm not a true baseball journalist because I have a significant bias when I when I go on the air and when we all know that you know, you're you're employed with the good graces of, you know, I work for AT&T, but by the by the team. But having said that, do your damn homework. Right. It's not up to the manager to go, hey, our left fielder is pretty good and our center fielder, you know, really good glove, light hitter. I mean, come on, man. That's that's a joke. Yeah, that, that is so weak. So it was kind of interesting that that was my thought. And I thought I, I do have a place. Like you said, I do have a place to be someone who knows this team who understands them at a fundamental level, who does the research, who can cover them every single day. It's why I take pride in, in doing that. And, and that had basically been my way into, and I think a week before that I had gotten into the BBWAA. And so I was just standing there in Clint Hurdle's office at the end of the weekend, 
I, I had taken zero one-on-one -on -one time for it. I, I didn't ask for anything. I just let everybody file out. And I just said, hey, I want to tell you. I did that story as quickly as I can. So in 07, you said this thing. And it stuck with me. And I thought about that. And that's why I sent in my resume. And that's basically why I'm standing here. Because I wanted to be the guy in the room who knew about your club and could ask a damn good question in that situation. And so uh, I really appreciated your answer. And, and he got a he big, big Clint Hurdle smile sitting back in the chair. He got a kick out of the story. He says, that's great, man. Go get him. You know, yeah. appreciated having you this weekend. Go get him, he told me. Yeah, that. I mean, Clint, appre awesome. Clint appreciates you know, people who are professional and, and hardworking. And he tells a story um, uh, in this podcast about when he really almost became unhinged at um, a, uh, it was a columnist in town. Uh, I'm going to leave the name out, you know, I'm, but, you know, Clint left, uh, you know, Clint got really angry. It was 07 because it was toward the end and it looked like the Rockies were done. And the writer said, you know, what, you know, what do you have left to play for? And, and he basically insinuating that, you know, you don't just keep, you know, you don't keep competing and, and, you know, you guys are done. And, and, um, and from a competitor standpoint, you know, Clint was really offended by that and, and admonished the reporter saying, you know, that's ludicrous. I mean, you don't understand if you think, oh, just because it does, it looks bleak or whatever that you mail it in. That's not how, that's not, and, and he basically put it back on him. So, so if, uh, you know, it was going to be a paper that's not as well read, would you not put the same effort into your column? I mean, and that was a, a really good analogy. And the players in the clubhouse really, uh, as Clint told it, they, they came up to him, several of them, and, and they appreciated that because it, it was, you know, it signified having their back, certainly. But it also, it, I, I do think there are times that there are people in the media, and even last night, you know, with the Avalanche, you know, really yeah. difficult loss, difficult loss in the series because we all thought, and I know you've become a hockey fan now, Stan yeah. Drew, yeah. Um, you know, thought the Avs had the team that could win it all. And, you know, ultimately, you know, people are upset. And I get that as fans. I, listen, I was upset. I'm bummed out. I'm really bummed out. Um, but uh, Vegas, specific to this, had the same number of points as the Avalanche did during the regular season. And, and the Avalanche ended up winning the President's Trophy on a tiebreaker. But because of the COVID setup, they faced in the second round. They're really good. And to say the Avalanche choked, a lot of people on social media were saying they yeah. choked. They didn't. To me, they didn't choke. To me, they got beat by a team that played better than them and is really damn good. It wasn't like they they were lost to an eight seed that you know had no business being on the same ice with them. Vegas is damn good, and you could probably make an argument. You know, right now Vegas is slightly better. Right. But we always want we always want an excuse. And I know I've kind of gone off on a tangent, but, you know, Clint kind of addressed that back uh, back in 07. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. I, I was just talking earlier today and I, and I might do a follow up on this. I think we're in an evolving age when it comes to these types of things. The um, you know Naomi Osaka story. There was a great uh, bit on NPR with former NBA player Rod Benson. Uh, talking about some of these things and you, you know these press conferences where guys are still in uniform the game just ended they're heartbroken and frustrated and they don't know the answer either and then these questions aren't designed to get 
information or or gather insights so that we can all have better analysis. They're just designed to get a rise out of people. Right. And I think that's such, forgive me, it's such bullshit when, when people do that. And I don't, I know you don't, I know Patrick doesn't, I don't respect that at all. Um, you know, honor, forget the money. Everybody always wants to put, you know, include money. There's not one athlete that while they're competing is thinking about, well, you know, I make $10 million a year here. I don't care that I, you know, messed up a ground ball to shortstop or I'm at the plate and it's like, who cares if I come through here? Cause I'm, you know, I have an $18 million salary. It's not how it works. You don't get to that level. You've got anywhere close to that without having a compet being a competitor, without having a constitution inside you that, that is going to battle your, your tail off. And the same thing is, even though, yeah, a lot of the players who lost last night are exceptionally well compensated, they could care less about that today, man. They probably didn't sleep a wink. So to be insensitive, yeah, questions have to be asked. But if they're incendiary in nature, that's that's BS. Yeah. So. Yeah. And and I'm really glad to see that it looks like the players and and you know at least certain ones. And Rod Benson talked about this. Is like, yeah, some star players might start to. You know, like Naomi Osaka, just say, you know, I'm not going to do this. And there's going to be interesting consequences if so and if not. And, the, you know, uh, media is going to have an interesting role to play in all of that as well. But he even said, you know, hey, look, man, if they if they offered to give me a press conference, I'd have to take it. Like, I need the exposure. I need people to know who I am. So there's some people who have the capital to say, you know what, I don't have to answer a bullshit question. And then there are other people who, unfortunately, you know, don't. And well, that's an interesting dynamic to watch. Movie. I, I will say this: you know, we're, we're talking obviously about Hurdle. Um, you know, he was my guest this week, and and Buddy is, you know, Buddy and Clint are, are good friends, but they're they're sometimes the antithesis of one another in how they deal with the media. In that, you know, you could you could get under Clint's skin with Buddy. You may get under his skin, but he will never show you. And and you know, Clint would fire back on occasion. Yeah. And, you know, Buddy, there are times I listen to some of the questions over the years that Buddy has to answer. And and I know, you know, good for Buddy. He's a better man than I am because I, I wouldn't handle it the same way. I would I would call people out sometimes and say, really, what you know, what kind of question is that? Yeah. And now having said that, now having said that and you mentioned Naomi Osaka. <laughs> And I mentioned, and I talked about her last week because there's two different things going on here for me, Drew. Right. One is mental health, and I am so proud, if that's the right word to use, of the athletes and all people, but particularly athletes, because we're talking about people with a degree of fame, and, and I don't care what walk of life they're in, but we're, we're specific to athletes yeah. who come out and say, you know what? Yeah, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression because it opens up the door for so many others who are not well known to say, it's okay. I don't have to hide in a closet um, because I'm afflicted with depression or whatever. These are illnesses that affect millions and millions of people. It's so widespread. So from that standpoint, um, I couldn't applaud her any more enthusiastically. The second component to that is 
um, you know, does the media, you know, does the media have a right to ask questions? Absolutely. The media's job is to be a conduit, and sometimes the media forgets this, a conduit to the people at home, right. the fans, the ticket buying public, the people who are investing time uh, in, in, your, in their living rooms in the evening to watch. And they want to know, okay, you know, Brendan Rogers is a young Rocky. You know, he's had he's had a rough ride. Now he's now he's playing well. What questions would people want to know about where Rogers is in his development? Same thing, for, you know, you, you'd ask Buddy, where is he in his development? I'm using that obviously as an example. Um, and it's important that the players understand that they need they have a responsibility to answer those questions. They have a responsibility to um, give feedback to the fans because the economic equation of sports is, and, and I know it's heavily tilted toward obviously one of the things I do and that's work in television is that that foots the bill, but you wouldn't be making 10, $15 million a year. Tennis tournaments wouldn't have, you know, huge prize money. Golf tournaments wouldn't have huge prize money if there weren't people interested and people buying advertisements and, and so on. And that comes back to creating interest. Well, if no one knew the personality, some guys will say, well, you know, hey, I, I'll, I'll answer my own, you know, I'll, I'll give people stuff on my social media pages. Well, guess what, Drew? You wouldn't even, people wouldn't even know where to find you if right. you didn't initially have this platform and people learned about you because of, you know, people asking questions after games and, and you know, writing pieces, et cetera. So right. they have to understand the economic equation also. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like that's one of the things that I, I've always thought was interesting. Whenever guys are, are surly about talking to the media, especially when it's not like you right after a bad loss or a bad performance or something, when it's just, you know, you're hanging out in spring training and, and I, not that there's been a ton of that. I can only think of a handful of times when guys were really just like, Ugh. you know, for the most part, the Rockies have had guys that have, have been great at, at chatting with us and doing the whole thing. Yeah. I, I think the one thing I, I really wonder about, you know, as, as somebody who's oddly enough struggled with certain kinds of social anxiety in my life a lot. And I, I've talked about that's one of the reasons why two of my favorite ball players of sort of the last couple of decades are Tim Lincecum and Zach Greinke. Right. And if you look back on particularly the career of of Zach Greinke and kind of the the onus being on him to say, I can't do this right now you know, but I can do this later. It's it's going to be an interesting thing to figure out for people to come out and say, hey, I've got this. And I would appreciate if everyone understood that that I have this type of thing can can be even that much more difficult, you know, for the person to, to separate themselves and say, uh, you know, I, it's uh, I, I think actually Rod Benson had a, a great answer at the end of the NPR thing. I'll, I'll link to some people on Twitter so they can find that. But he said, ultimately, and this comes down to what you were saying earlier. The answer is just more thoughtful, sensitive, and to the point questions that it, you know, that, that athletes just need to learn to say, I'm not going to answer that question because I don't think it was a fair one and then move on, but still take fair questions and that everyone needs to be better educated on, on what those are, because you can't just cancel press conferences or post-game pressers or any of that, because all the stuff that you just said. That's an important part of the entire machine, right? But 
Or you could just say, that's a clown question, bro. That's a clown. I, that was one of my favorite quotes of all time. I, it, for me, too. Bryce Harper because of it. I was like, why? It was. It was a clown question. The guy just hit a walk-off home run. And question number two was, aren't you sad you can't get a beer because you're only 20? Bro, I just hit a walk-off home run in Major League Baseball. Also, you really think they're not going to hand me a beer? Right. I mean, <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> Who let you in the building? <laughs> I just, <laughs> again, that uh, that's a clown question, bro, was about as soft as he could have gone there. <laughs> yeah. I, I applaud him for saying that. I mean, yeah. yeah, that was that was a good one. You know, that's a clown. That's a clown question, bro. Clown question, bro. <laughs> totally. One other uh, managerism uh, I know that, that lives on through to this day through our friend Patrick Saunders at the Denver Post who loves a good Jim Tracy behoove. Uh, but it, it would behoove us to swing the bats a little bit better this weekend in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's a Tracyism. I miss being in Cincinnati because um, I, I'd reach out to Trace, who, who keeps a home still in, in Fairfield uh, outside of Cincinnati and – he would uh, he would come down and uh, you know uh, say hello and, and spend some time and uh, we got to eat with him up in the media dining room a couple of years ago. I miss Trace. Trace is hysterical. In fact, I'm going to get him on the podcast here uh, coming up. Tracking him down is always a chore, but he he is an all timer. He can tell a story. Love it. Yeah. What, what, here's a here's a Clintism. You know when Barry Bonds was doing his thing and and he was the best you know hitter ever maybe uh, you know the rockies would be playing the giants and naturally you have questions about barry bonds and clint would roll this one out periodically he goes yeah if he keeps this up he's gonna get called up, called up <laughs> to the next league to the next league yeah oh, so. man. <laughs> that, that's good that's yeah. good stuff right there one of one of the ones we talk about drew in there is Helton's first uh, summer in pro ball after he finished at the University of Tennessee. Yeah, he was fatigued. He's probably on Team USA. You know, he'd been playing for for a while. He's really fatigued, and it's not like he set the world on fire in Asheville. And and Clint coined it the summer of four to three because he kept rolling over to second base. So it was the summer of four to three. Rolling it over, making contact though. Here, here, here's one more. Here's one more. The first time I've been going to fantasy camp for ooh, boy, you know, we didn't have it last year for obvious reasons, but next year will be closing in on like 19, 20 years. And the Rockies do they really do a fabulous job with fantasy camp. I've met so many great people there over the years, and there's uh, repeat offenders who keep uh, coming back. Love it. And, and Clint, when he was the commissioner, and he would, I mean, he would hold court. I mean, he, it was such, such a perfect thing for his humor and his, and, and his sarcasm and his ability to, to zing you. And so he's, he's given his, uh, you know, camp speech, his introductory camp speech. And he said, let me, uh, let me get this out of the way early. He goes, um, none of you, because it's always in January. He goes, um, none of you will be getting an invite during <laughs> training. None of you. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, absolute best. Yeah. So for more of that, make sure you do check out two parter. So part one is out now. The Drew Goodman podcast. Uh, we will on this day toast our Breck brews. I I still have Strava craft coffee. 
Uh, but we plug well, it's midday. It's midday. You can make yeah. the transition. <laughs> but uh, we do toast our theoretical Breck Brews and Breck Seltzers on this day to the men that have managed the Colorado Rockies throughout the years and their isms and their stories and, and all of the entertainment that they have brought us. In addition to, you know, having one of the most difficult jobs in all of professional sports, uh, it's, it's a difficult club to and the environment and the all the travel and the just everything that goes on with this club that we know about uh that's difficult uh the, the, the kinds of questions you get from people who've never seen your baseball team play before or don't understand of course field is actually on the moon it's just the number of things that all of these guys it's it's i feel like being the manager you know they say like the only people who really understand what it's like to be president or people have been the president. I feel like that's probably the same thing actually with, with your job. The only people who really know what it's like to do every day play by play for a major league baseball team are the people who've done that, right? It's just, uh, but managing the Rockies, I feel like has got to be one of those where it's like the guys who've done that are the only people who really know the unique challenges of everything that comes along with that job. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate, you know, you including, what we all do in that grouping, but I say that across the board, um, the greatest policy um, or one of the great policies is the line we all heard when we were four or five years old, that you can never walk in someone else's shoes. And if you truly um, embrace that and take a step back and say, in, instead of always going, oh, that shouldn't have been that bad, or they, they don't have it that bad, or, um, that's not a big deal to that person or that group of people. How the hell do you know? Yeah. Unless you are part of that group of people or you, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I try to keep that in mind um, every day, um, specific to broadcasting. Uh, and listen, it comes with the territory. I mean, it's it's really easy to sit on your couch and say, I would have said this or, or for a writer to say, oh, why did he say that? Well, you can edit um, – as you go along when you're writing and say, I don't like the phraseology there. I'm going to change that. Even if you're on deadline, you have the ability hopefully to do that. Um, but you can't in broadcasting. And um, one of the things I tell, um, you know, I, I'm sure I said this to Spilly and to Huey when, when they first, you know, came aboard, you can gather up a lot of energy and get ready to do a, a weekend series when you're doing two or three games and then you're, you know, you're off for whatever period of time. But if you're doing it day after day, that's, that's where it's a grind and a challenge to, you know, to be fresh. And, and um, so anyhow, I, I think every job has that. And again, I think the, that, that's a great line drew to, to remember that, you know, unless you do that for a living or unless you, you know, truly can walk in someone else's shoes, you have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Always important to remember that. Uh, speaking of, of walking in some shoes now, and somebody that, you know, was a subject of a lot of harsh criticism when, you know, this happens when there's the high expectations and uh, the high draft pick and all of those things. And then your first bit of Major League Baseball is just not inspiring at all. And the Brendan Rodgers experience for a lot of people has been a very frustrating one for the last couple of years. Uh, especially people who don't watch any minor league baseball whatsoever. And the only Rogers they've seen is this guy who hasn't been able to get it done. Well, the last couple of weeks, suddenly we're seeing a Brendan Rogers who looks like he believes 
that he belongs in Major League Baseball. And that Goody has been refreshing to see. Yeah, and and Buddy has pointed this out on a couple of occasions, and I think it's um, apropos that we repeat it, and that is there there's so much pressure on any player that is fortunate enough you know, to get to the big leagues. And there was pressure on them throughout their minor league career to, to t- take the next step. But when someone is a first round pick and then he's mentioned as one of the top prospects for a long time in baseball, and he's been the top prospect of the Rockies for, I think, three years running and maybe longer than that now, quite frankly. And he's battled a lot of injuries and in the, you know, relative handful of at bats when he did get up here, he didn't perform very well. And so now that mounts and you're not 21 or 22. Now you're 24 and the team's struggling and he comes up again after having a great spring training until he blew out his hamstring. There's pressure. And so each time that you have some success, it, it kind of like, OK, instead of having 500 pounds on my back, now it's 497 pounds. Yeah. Oh, I had another good day. Now it's 490 pounds. And, and you just start chipping away at that and feeling like, OK, you know what? I belong at this level. And I don't know if he if he probably fully feels that yet. Um, but the, the more he does well in his last, you know, 20 at bats, I know he has nine hits and there's some damage in there. He's finding some barrels. I mean, you remember the first hundred at bats, Drew, honest to goodness, I don't know if he barreled anything. I mean, the um, hits were, were like slow rollers that the third baseman couldn't throw him out. Right. Um, but there weren't even loud outs. And now he's, you know, he's hit some balls in the gap. He hit a ball over the center field wall. He hit the ball over the left center field wall yesterday in Miami. So he's starting to go, okay, I can breathe a little bit. Yeah, I can play here. And and there's an evolution, I think, for 97% of players that will probably be the same for Brendan. I mean, the Juan Sotos, the 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 Mike Trouts, the guys that, that – you know, show up and are, and are great from Jump Street, that is most unusual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, him getting some regular playing time, Buddy's got him in there batting second today. Yeah, you know, I was going to mention that. Get some uh, at-bats and, and see what he can do. And that is one of the sort of silver linings of a year, right, where uh, the team isn't competing as much and, and you don't have to stash him on the bench because – You've got a veteran like a DJ LeMahieu or somebody else out there when you're fully healthy. There's just no place for him to play, and, and you don't have time to figure it out here. It's like in a season like this, he's going to have some time to figure it out here. And, uh, yeah, that one he hit yesterday, that was that was a no-doubt left center field laser line drive, probably the most confident swing he's taken yet at the big league level. And I, and I agree with you. You can just see him – one step at a time, removing the, oh, okay, that feels a little bit, makes a couple of nice defensive plays. And he goes, oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah, okay, this is a part of the game. I can do this too. Uh, very excited to see where he can go. Going into the Great American Small Park, as I know some of the players call it, maybe get another homer out there or something. I got a good pitching yeah. yeah, but, but But, Drew, to your point, again, just to embellish that, is – Every guy I've talked to, I guarantee every guy that you've talked to, when when it comes to the subject of when did you feel like I'm a big leaguer, they all had that moment where they're like, wait a second, I can play at this level. Because there's an awe factor. I mean, we always talk about, oh, the biggest jump is, you know, in, in the minor leagues is going to double A. Double A always separates the quote-unquote men from the boys, right? 
the biggest jump everyone will tell you is triple a to the big leagues yeah the big leagues a different animal yeah and in you you're wide-eyed and there's the second deck and there's oh my goodness you know i'm looking as you know at the reds lineup let's say you were a rookie and you go over there and you go wait that's joey Votto, yeah right that's nick castellanos you know th there's some big names and now i'm on the same field with them do i have any business being on the same field as that guy or that guy and there's a moment for every player that makes it where they're like yeah i can play at this level i belong at this level i remember jeff Houston telling me First, he was in pro ball because he was he was an unsigned, you know, right. undrafted free agent. It was Joshua and, Fuentes. Yeah, Fuentes the same way, and he got an opportunity. And in the first spring training as a professional, um, Jeff was on a backfield with the with the Montreal Expos, and there's a bunch of young guys from all over, you know, the world. And so he starts, you know, looking around, and then he start playing. He's like, "Wait a second, I, yeah, my my skill set, I belong." Dang. You know, yeah. in fact, in fact, you know, he felt like I'm better than a lot of these guys, but yeah. you don't know until you're in that environment. There's, there's no way to know it. I, I always try to remind people, we've got the Denver sports podcast coming up here in a little while where we get all the, the beats together. And it's one of those things. Like I try not to play when I go on that show, when we're talking about one topic and, and how it is in all the sports, I try not to play the baseball is weird or different or unique card too often. Right. Um, but it really is. And this is one of the ways I had uh, my fiance's uh, dad was here. We were working on the house the other day and he was asking me this question about why it seems like so many guys are, are going to be great. And then in baseball, it doesn't work out. And I said to him quite glibly for a minute, I said, well, Clayton Kershaw didn't pitch in the minors. That's right. That's he, a great, you know what? <laughs> um, yeah. Jacob deGrom's not throwing in Albuquerque tonight. Right. I mean, yeah, an occasion on a rehab. And that that was well, yeah. it kind of leads us to that funny thing with uh, you know the Cardinals A ball team with yeah. Rom, you know, struck out eight of the nine guys he faced, and you go, hey, get this guy out of here. It was funny stuff. Yeah. But and, you're right. That's a great line, Drew. You're right. And sign that guy who made contact. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. That guy celebrated that night. Like you know. But yeah, it's just because. In all of the other sports, your ability to score or not score is proactive. Your quarterback gets the ball in his hands and starts making decisions. Uh, your point guard gets the ball in his hands and starts making decisions. Someone gets the puck on their stick and they start making decisions. You don't have time to start making decisions. You react to what the pitcher gives you. And the guys at this level are just unreal. They don't have 93 mile an hour sliders in double A. And if they do, it's one guy for that one day. And then you'll get into the bullpen or the next day you can get back to putting up your minor league numbers. That's why the, the, I'll say it, uh, the dumbest thing that people say in all of sports and it happens to each one, it's just dumber in baseball is when people start talking about how some minor league team or some college team could beat one of the, the teams at the top. It's just, you you don't understand the level of skill of the worst players in Major League Baseball. They're incredibly talented. Well, I mean, you're you're absolutely right, and it usually comes up in football. Could oh, could Alabama be yeah. you know Jacksonville? No, no. All right, because Alabama has a lot of really good players, really really good players, but the entirety of the Alabama roster is not going to play in the NFL. 
you know, a lot of guys will have an opportunity and there'll be some guys who become stars in the NFL. But I mean, that's it's a ludicrous statement. And it's, um, you know, it's it's a naive one also, because there's even when you're talking about the very, very best at the collegiate level, it's not, you know, it's not the same deal. It is. It is not. Uh, <laughs> so if you were to watch one of those games, well, you can make a lot of money at DraftKings Sportsbook. Probably not an odd, a lot. I was going to say your odds would not be good, but you would bet on the big league team in any of those games, of course. Right now you can be betting on a little bit of NBA basketball going on. That's the big promo right now. Of course, you can bet on any anything you like, just if you want to get the promo. Uh, but we're always doing, you know, giving you a, who's going to hit a home run or get a hit, over-unders on strikeout run totals. Uh, Patrick's been on fire lately with his DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Weeks, so you got to make sure that you're checking out all of those pregame shows. And again, right now, when you use promo code DNVR, when you download that top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app, now you can turn $1 into $100 in free credits, betting on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. If they do, you get $100 right there, free credits, promo code DNVR for a limited time only. A DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out in site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And if you want to make sure that you've got a little money left aside so that you can put it down on DraftKings Sportsbook, visit our friends at Gabby Insurance Absolutely one of my favorite sponsors here because as much as I love all of the other ones, this is the only one that doesn't cost you any money at all and just puts money back into your wallet or your bank account. Costs you nothing, less than 10 minutes of your time. Go to gabi.com slash dnvr. You're going to save money on your home or car insurance or both. I saved over 480 bucks for the year just on car insurance. Our guy Eric Weedham saved over a grand with Gabby Insurance. It's easy to remember because it stands for Get a Better Insurance. Takes you less than 10 minutes, no phone calls, text messages, any of that garbage. It's just saving you money. So check them out today. One last time, it's gabi.com slash dnvr. All right, good. Uh, another on-field topic, somebody that I know we, we've talked a lot about. But look, as, as everyone knows, the play on the field dictates sometimes who and what you talk about. And another fantastic outing for Austin Gomber, who at this point really has been one of the best pitchers in the National League since the calendar turned over to May. Yeah, um, and and we've talked a lot about him on your show, you your show with Patrick, and talked about him on television. I've talked about him on my podcast. Uh, Austin Gomber's legit. And when I say legit, are we talking about, oh, he's a number one? No, I'm not saying he's a number one, but I think he's a solid three on a good team. Um, I, I think he's going to give you a chance to win each and every uh, time out. And there are times that he's going to be dominant for six plus innings, which in this day and age is looked upon as like a fabulous outing. Um, you know, he had the hiccup, which is so far in the rearview mirror, his first outing over amped up, new team, Coors Field, et cetera, and he walked seven. Uh, really since then, his strikeout to walk ratios, almost Jacob DeGrom, like not quite the strikeout totals, but I mean, he's striking out more than a hitter in inning. He's not walking anybody and he's not easy to hit. Far fewer hits than, than innings pitched. There's a ton to like there. He commands four different pitches. Um, he's got a great curveball. That's his best pitch, but he, he's got a really good changeup. The slider plays. 
And then it plays up with, with his fastball, and, he, and he's pounding the strike zone. He's confident. He's competitive. Um, I, I think, honestly, Drew, if, if you look at the Rockies and they come, roll into Cincinnati tonight, 25 and 38, pretty good home record, amazingly. Horrendous road record, as we all know. Um, and one of the better stories, maybe, you know, one of the top two or three stories individually with the Rockies so far has to be the guy you mentioned, Austin Gomber. I mean, who, where, yeah. you know, Jonathan Daz is a nice story so far. We'll see where the Brendan Rogers things, you know, ends up. That's probably better suited for a couple of months down the road since he missed so much time. Uh, but am, am I missing something, Drew? I mean, I mean, you know, we're uh, McMahon's cooled off a little bit, and I think that's been a lot of fun, right? There were still some sure. questions with him. McMahon's been, but but I'm with you. I I said earlier today, um, or maybe this is yesterday. I don't know, whatever I do, <laughs> you know how it goes. Whenever really? last time I was talking about baseball, uh, Austin Gomber has been the Colorado Rockies' best baseball player since the beginning of May. Uh, you know, Trevor's story has been mediocre for for trevor and and we expect he'll be fine and that's the nature of the game of baseball but it is what it is charlie blackman has gotten back on track he very quietly went from batting 150 to batting 280 without making a whole lot of noise didn't he charlie's been listen charlie's been great he's probably hitting a little bit of hard luck in april he got off to a a slow start um but really since the beginning of may he's been charlie blackman so yes he's been Which you expect? Rommel Tapia has has done a yeah. has done a really good job. I mean, he's been really steady at the at the top of the lineup. But however you want to clar- classify it or clarify it, one of the best stories thus far with the Rockies this year, when you're looking for solutions and looking for answers, has been Austin Gomber. Well, and especially because I've done so much research into this over the history of what makes good Rockies teams good and what makes bad Rockies teams bad and one of the most obvious immediate things about what makes good Rockies teams good is quality starting pitching which we know is sort of frustrating because they have that right now and the team hasn't been able to be good because of the other areas of the team but when you look specifically deeper into that about what makes a great Rockies pitcher great and there have only been a handful of those over the years the guys who've really managed to find some consistent success here uh, you start seeing these all of the same signs of what Austin Gomber is doing right now and some stuff that he's doing better. Uh, we, we've talked before about that consistency of the split. A lot of times with Rockies pitchers, even who are great, unless you're talking about Ubaldo Jimenez in 2010, usually it's imbalanced. They're much better at home, hanging in there on the road. If it's Marquez, it goes the other way. Gomber... Since again, since May first, and his last eight starting, starting just been good at home, good on the road, almost exactly the same amount. Strikeout to walk ratio on the road, at home against lefties, against righties, against good teams, against teams that maybe don't have as many offensive players you're scared of. And so, it's only an eight-game sample size. That's the one part where where I still pump my brakes a little bit. But having done the research, it's just like. These are the things you need for the next successful guy here and seeing how long they've got him locked up for. That's something to get excited about. I I couldn't agree with you more. I'm I'm flashing up on my phone some stats, uh, you know, so. 
the 250 ERA over eight games uh, and the 48 to four strikeout ratio, like you're going to have to search a while to find another Rockies pitcher who's had, had a stretch like that in, in recent memory and a lefty because Freeland was never the strikeout guy. So, well, he's allowed in his last, you know, four starts, he's allowed actually his last five starts. He's allowed six earned runs covering 29 innings. 29. And, yeah. and you know, within that grouping, you say, well, I, I, you know, they're all major league teams. Listen, the Mets are on there. I know the Mets weren't having hit, but they have. They should. They have a pretty damn good lineup. The Padres, he held to one, one run. Uh, he held them to – actually, he's held them to one earned run in 11 and a third – over two starts, one at home, one on the road. And the only run right. he gave up, interestingly, was at Petco. Uh, so, yeah, there's only been – he had the bad start. Um, the Cardinals got him, right? Yeah, the Cardinals got him for five runs in five yeah. innings, which, you know, not great, but you sure he's probably amped up again on that one. He had the bad start in San Francisco where he went an inning in two-thirds, and he had the opening day one. Uh, you know, other than that, I mean, he has he has a one thirteen whip, which yeah. which with all the guys he walked initially, that's that's hard to do, man. He's been again, he's been really really good, and um, you know, people who were uh, I'm not going to rehash the deal because the deal is what it was, and they they were trying to get the most, um, and they had no leverage since they were going to trade Nolan and the industry knew it. Um, but Austin Gomber looks like he's going to be a nice piece. I don't, you, we'll see what happens with some of the other guys they got. Um, but uh, Austin Gomber has been positive. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll get ready to wrap this one up here, but looking ahead to this series in Cincinnati, uh, they got Freeland back on the Hill. We, you know, I think we're still kind of waiting for, uh, the Kyle Freeland we all know and love. We're seeing glimpses, pieces of it. He's been working back into a full rhythm. So what are some of the big things you're looking for in this series with the Reds? Well, I mean, Drew, you started with number one. You know, Kyle, he almost gets a pass over his first few because he'd been out for a long period of time. And and it wasn't like he, he had a lot of rehab assignments in the minor league. So he's trying to feel his way back. And he has got a, 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 a he is kind of a feel pitcher. I mean, it's not like he's going to rear back and, and blow 98 past you. So, you know, some some there's a lot of near misses with the, you know, the cutter-slider combination and and the change-up. And, and so some stuff's been left over the plate, and he's gotten in, in some backward counts. Um, I don't think he's far off. Not a great park to pitch in. We know that historically. And, and they got Joey Votto back. This is a good, you know, this is a good lineup with Castellanos and Winker. I don't know if there's a better one-two right now in baseball um, productivity-wise. So he's going to face a really good lineup in, in an offensive ballpark. But having said that, you'd like to see him take another step uh, today. Uh, so that's certainly one thing you're looking at. And then then it comes back to, all right, the Rockets have been out on the road for a few days. They had 10 runs in Miami, uh, and they, they, they got a win down there, and we know how hard – that's been to come by and see, I'd love to see them break out 
offensively on the road because we know they've averaged basically two runs a game and that ain't going to get it done. Um, But you're in a good offensive park. You've now been out of altitude for several days. Um, Can you, can you put up some, some numbers against, uh, against the Reds at GABC? Yeah, I think it'll be a fun series to watch. Like you said, I'm, I'm looking out for all that stuff. Uh, And and Marquez going in game two, as we, you, you asked the question last time you were on, who, who could be an all-star that we weren't re- necessarily thinking about for the first month or so for the Rockies. And Marquez keeps making that case better and better. He's, he's got an opportunity to yeah, make and- a really good lineup in a pitcher's park. And, and if he can come out and pitch well or maybe even dominate if he's got his best stuff, which we know he can do, then you might start turning some heads and really making a case. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and, and we're focused. We're always focused on it, but we're even more focused on it because it's in our backyard. It's, a, it's at Coors Field, right? And, and this is a tough year for the Rockies. We know that even in their lean years, there's usually been one or two where you yeah. kind of slam the gavel down. You go, that guy's an all-star. Yeah. Well, you know, Ryan McMahon certainly belongs in the conversation, but there, is, there hasn't been a slam the gavel down, this guy's an all-star. But to your observation i think herman certainly can enter the picture and and um if the if the door's slightly ajar who knows a few weeks from now it may be wide open uh you, charlie blackman don't discount him after what he's done over the last you know five six weeks uh you know rymel toppy there's there's guys that you know could emerge over the next three or four weeks as more as even more legitimate candidates um that you're not really thinking about. And when we first, when you first posed the question a week or two ago, we, we weren't even mentioning. Right. right. Yeah. That's the fun of, of playing the games and, and watching them. Cause you, you just never know. So we'll be doing yeah. that over the next couple of days. Of course, stick with us, make sure you're watching all the games on AT&T sports net. You're listening to the Drew Goodman podcast, especially when Clint Hurdle is on. Got to make sure you listen to all that stuff. Make sure you're following everybody here on social media at Drew Creaseman, at Drew Goodman 42. You know, our guy at Patrick D. Lyons at DNVR underscore Rockies and subscribe to the DNVR.com for access to all the written content, the discounts on the hats, shirts, the masks, the bigger beer when you come down to the DNVR bar, the free t-shirt from the DNVR locker and the free stick from our friends at holistic wellness and access to the discord channel, all kinds of stuff that you get. Just subscribe. It'll be fantastic. Uh, Thank you all for hanging out. We really do appreciate. We know that you'll continue to be absolutely awesome baseball fans out there. We'll continue to be absolutely Drew Goodman and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.